Well, good morning. Sure good to be back in the good old USA, be a part of worship here today. We had a great trip to Nigeria. Appreciate your prayers and thoughts and your support. A lot of good things happening in Nigeria. A lot of really, really good things. We'll be excited to share more of that with you at our celebration service. But you know, when you put in that offering, uh, your tithes and offerings, uh, you can't imagine uh, how much uh, of that is making a difference in, in Nigeria and uh, reaching people. And um, God is really uh, doing incredible work there. So I'm just, but I'm always glad to be home. If you don't appreciate the United States, go to Nigeria and you will come home appreciating our, our great land. And um, so you can do that sometime. Go there and be a part of it. I read a story this week about the epitaph of one man that one man left on his tombstone. It said this, consider, young man, as you walk by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, you soon shall be. So prepare, young man, to follow me. Now that sounds pretty pro profound until someone took a knife and scratched a response on the tombstone that said this, to follow you is not my intent until I know which way you went. <laughs> now, that's a pretty good move on uh, whoever wrote that part because there are only two directions you can go after death. You're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. And today we're going to continue our series, Eternity, by looking at hell. Now hell is the place of final judgment created uh, by God for the devil and his angels and all those uh, who die without making peace with God. It's described in the book of Revelations as a lake of fire. Now hell is a subject today that, uh, that uh, people seem to uh, be obsessed with. You, you hear it used all the time. If you just sit around in airports or restaurants or wherever, and um, uh, I hope not the church, but you'll hear, some, you'll hear the word used in casual conversations. Watch this. It's hot as hell in there. These people drive me to H-E double hockey sticks. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. So who do you have winning your bracket? Well, I'm sure as hell Wofford's gonna win. It's a hell of a good pick. I think so. This world is going to hell in a handbasket. This is a good cup of coffee. I go to hell and back for a good cup of coffee. Whoa! Howard, when can I purchase that audio gear that we talked about? When hell freezes over. Siri, when will it snow in hell? Hell, Norway should get some snow this week. Just want you to know, Gay and I were out of town this week, so we had nothing to do with that. <laughs> but the point of uh, this, of the video was to humorously show examples of the many ways the word hell is used in our everyday conversations. We just toss it around. You might ask, well, why does that matter? 
What does it matter if that happens? What well, matters a lot? You know, you see, if, if the, the more the word hell is used in our everyday conversations, the, the less it's actually thought about in terms of eternity. It, it, becomes, it becomes lost in the fact that it becomes part of our language, and therefore we're not as sensitive to the fact uh, that, it, uh, that it actually has to do with eternity. And, and so the more we use the word hell in an angry or profane way, the less threatening it will become to the person who uses it. I mean, it'll just be something that we toss around like any other word, and pretty soon we won't, uh, it won't be threatening to us any longer about uh, eternity. Now, it seems that hell is more prevalent today in our street talk than it is in our Sunday sermons. And yet, most religions of today hold fast to the idea of an after-death judgment, judgment followed by punishment for sinners who have not repented and accepted God's grace. You see, when we don't talk about uh, hell in the church, uh, we're not doing anyone any favors. Jesus himself, who, um, who exemplifies God's love, spent a lot of time warning us about the fires of hell. Matter of fact, he talked more about warning us about hell than he did talk about the pleasures of heaven. Here's some things that Jesus said in Matthew. He said, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. And then he said again, then, he told, then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then again in Matthew, Jesus said, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then we look at Mark, it says, go into hell where the fire never goes out, be thrown into hell where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Now, I know that speaking on hell is a heavy subject, but it's one that we must look at, that we must deal with if we're going to have a full biblical view of eternity. So I want to talk a little bit today about what the Bible says about hell. I want us to understand and learn the truth about hell. Now, first, the Bible teaches that hell is a place of choice. Hell is a place of choice. According to the Bible, it's a place of choice. And that is why the Bible uh, repeatedly implores us to choose uh, the way of life, life in Jesus Christ, uh, than the road that leads to death and judgment. You see, many times in the Bible, Jesus urged anyone who would listen to make a wise choice with questions like this. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So as you begin to think about that, as I begin to think about that, so why in the world would someone risk their eternal souls and choose hell over heaven? Why would they do that? Well, there are a number of reasons that I believe that people would do that. First, the first reason that I, I, I can tell you about is some feel like uh, that they don't want to feel obligated to the love and mercy of God. They just don't want to be obligated to God in any way. And so they reject the truth. Others would say that uh, if there really is a heaven and hell, they'd rather go to hell because they'd rather be with where all their friends are going to be. And you probably have heard that said 
And then others feel like that uh, heaven just seems like a boring place to me. I mean, I've heard people say, I don't want to go to heaven, man. Sit around on clouds all day listening to harp music and singing hymns is not my cup of tea. It's just going to be a boring place, and therefore I don't want to go there. And then there are some that are angry at God. I mean, there are people that are angry at God for the pain and suffering that he has allowed to happen in their lives or that uh, they feel like he's caused in their life, and, and they'd rather spend eternity with the devil at his place than spend eternity in heaven with a cruel uh, and uh, uh, a cruel uh, God. And others, like my brother, are counting on the hope that because God is a loving God, there is no way that God would send someone to hell because he's such a loving God. You know, I, I heard someone say one time that, that, uh, that, that God is such a loving God and that hell is everyone's choice that as, he, that as people go to hell, he's standing at the doorway to hell with tears in his eyes. You see, it's not God's will that any would go to hell. And then there are others that, uh, that are so busy just trying to survive life day by day that there are so many people that are just trying to get by with work and, and home duties and soccer practice and all the things that are going on in life that they don't even give the point of their eternity any thought at all where they're going to spend eternity. But whatever reason that you use or whatever reason we may use, all of us will be accountable one day for our choices. We'll all be accountable one day for the choice uh, that we make in life, such as Paul described in Romans 1, where he said, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. So in light of this truth, I, I think it would be wise, if we've not already, to quickly as we can accept Jesus' invitation to escape the eternal fires of hell, such as the invitation he gives in Matthew 7, where he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide, uh, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are, so, there are many who will go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who will find it. So the Bible teaches us that hell is a choice. It's a place of choice. The Bible also teaches us that hell is a place of truth. It's a place of truth. Even though hell is sometimes described by Jesus and others as a place of outer darkness, a place of pain, but a place of outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth, it's also a place where the light of the truth will be exposed. The light of the truth will be exposed. You see, hell will finally expose those who have rejected the love, grace, and mercy of God. You know, there are many people that kind of put on this uh, 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 front that maybe they're believers and they act like Christians and they, you know, and they and they go through the motions. But the, they, it will finally be exposed in hell the truth of all those who have accepted or not accepted the grace and love and mercy of God. Now, as you know, we, we live in a world where people don't think they deserve to go to hell. I mean, people think, well, I, I won't go to hell. I'm a good person. I, I, I'm a decent person. 
You know, I, I grew up and I, I didn't go to church much. And if you'd have asked me in my early 20s, if you'd have said to me, and, and people did say to me, because in those days people actually did evangelism, and, and one of the questions they would ask, buddy, if you die tonight, do you know where you'd spend eternity? Would you go to heaven or hell? I'd say, I'd go to heaven. And they'd say, well, why would you go to heaven? I'd say, because I'm a good person. I'm a decent person. I don't hurt anybody. I, I, I mean, I'm a far better person than this person I work with. Look what they do. And you say, see, what we do is we compare our lives to others. We compare our life to people like Stalin and people like Hitler and people like ben, uh, uh, Osama bin Laden, people like the murderers of ISIS. Uh, we compare ourselves to serial killers. We compare ourselves to uh, 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 sexual uh, uh, predators. And we say, I'm pretty good. I'm a good guy compared to all these people. And you see, and we deceive ourselves by the thought when we say, well, I am basically a good person, a good and decent person, and I live a good and decent life. You see, if that's uh, you, look at what the Apostle Paul says about the human condition in Romans chapter 3. He says, they all, they have all sinned, all. They have come, to, they have come together, they have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. There is none who does good. No one, not one. Their, their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit, the poison of aspen there under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the ways, the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, folks, this is a vivid picture. This is a vivid picture of the dishonesty, the greed, the profanity, the deceitfulness, and the cruelty that breeds rapists, child molesters, embezzlers, pornographers, uh, uh, pornographers, murderers, terrorists, and the such. You see, when the judgment of God falls, and when these persons are sentenced to the lake of fire, as described in Revelations chapter 20, the fire will make an eternal statement of the truth about those who have lived their lives at the expense of others. Hell is a place of choice. We choose. Hell is a place where the truth will be exposed. And hell is a place, the Bible teaches, of fair treatment. It's a place... Of fair treatment. Before anyone goes to hell, that person will stand before a final judgment. All of, all of us, those that go to hell, will stand at a final judgment to determine the exact degree of punishment that he or she will receive. Now, the good news, there's good news in that. And the good news is this, that God will be perfectly fair. That God will be perfectly fair in his judgment. Their final judgment, the final judgment is uh, described graphically in Revelations chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, where John said this. He said, then I saw a great white throne. Picture that, if you would. Then John said, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And then John said, I saw the dead great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. They said the, the books were opened. 
And another book was opened, which is the book of life. Now the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. You know, we think kind of God is kind of absent from our lives and we can kind of do this or do that. We can get by this, we can get by that. And God doesn't see, God does more than see. The Bible says he has it recorded. He has it written down in his books. I'd say God is a good bookkeeper. It said, the Bible goes on to say, the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they, do, they had done. Now then, death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Now, anyone, the Bible says, whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire. Now, if, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have confessed your sins and Jesus Christ is your Savior, then I'm here to tell you today that your name is written down in the book of life. My name was written in the book of life on Easter Sunday, 1980, and by the blood of Jesus Christ, if you flip open the book of life to the M's and you, and you scroll down to the H's, because my name's really Herman, I don't tell anybody that, I can't imagine a mom that loved her son would name him Herman. But she did. And you, and, you, and, you, thank you. and you flip down to the M's and you go down to the H's. They're written in the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ as Herman Marston. And therefore, I won't face the book. I won't face the book that has all those opportunities and all those privileges that God had given me to accept Jesus Christ. It won't be written there. You won't find my name in that book or your name in that book if you... Her name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You see, this is called the Great White Throne Judgment. And the judge is Jesus Christ. Thank God it's him. As described in John chapter 5. And all the unsaved will receive new bodies and they will stand to be judged. Now then the books contain the life record of every person and the one special book of life will be opened. And the opening of these books shows those who have rejected. God's gift of salvation. It will show. These books shows that those who rejected God's gift of salvation and they will receive perfect and fair judgment. You see in Romans 2, Paul pointed out that God will look at what each, what, what people have done with their privileges and opportunities and, and that he will be completely impartial and he will be a fair judge. And those who heard the good news will be held accountable for their response to it. Now, those who never heard the good news, and, you know, people say to me, well, buddy, what about the people out there in the deepest, darkest parts of Africa that, that have never heard the good news? Now, I've been in a lot of deep, dark places in Africa, and believe me, they're more connected than we are. But if there is a place, and I'm sure there are, that they've never heard the good news of Jesus Christ, if you flip open your Bibles to Romans chapter 2 and you scroll down, you'll find a verse tucked in there that says that God placed in the minds and the hearts of every man a consciousness of, how to, of what is right and wrong in the environment that they're in. And that God will give them a special revelation that they will know what to do, whether that be right or wrong. And they will be held accountable, accountable only for what they know. You see, the Bible tells us that heaven is a place of fair treatment. It's a place of fair treatment. 
and God, Jesus Christ himself, will sit on the white throne of judgment and he will judge. And finally, the Bible teaches that hell is a place of lost hope. This makes me absolutely, it just has blown me away in the last two services to realize that hell is a place of lost hope. Uh, it's a sad truth that the Bible teaches us. That, that, that hell is a place of last hope. Jesus warned us in Matthew 10, 28, Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body to hell. You see, once we're in hell, once a person crosses over from this life to the next life, and they are there in hell, there is no other hope. There's no second chances. There's no praying that person out of hell. And that makes what we do so utterly important. You see, once in hell, there are no second chances. There's a group out there called the Universalists that believe that God is such a loving God that everyone would go to heaven. And i got to tell you, that's heresy. That is false. There is no place in the Bible, unless you twist the Scripture, that can tell us that there is a second chance for those who have died to be saved after they pass from this life to the next. Hell is a place of lost hope. And as much as I hope, and as much as I want to hope, and much as I would, I would just hope and pray, you know, because I tell you, there's a couple people in hell that I believe are in hell today maybe because I missed a chance that God gave me. And I wish that I could have went back, and I wish I could have said, you know what, I really blew it with you, and I wish I would have told you about the love of Jesus. I've got some family members that I'm not certain of. And I wish I could pray them right out of hell and right into heaven. But the Bible doesn't teach that. That's why it's so vitally important that we tell as many people as we can about the love of Jesus. You see, we must conclude then that we must conclude that the future of those who die without a personal relationship or a special revelation from God will not be as pleasant. It will not be pleasant for them as revealed in Revelations 14, 11. And the smoke, the Bible says, of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest. In hell, there will be no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast in its image or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. And then again, in Revelations, I'm just trying to help you see, describe to you what hell is like. And again, in Revelations 20.10, the Bible says, And the devil who deceived them, and the devil is about the business of deceiving you. You see, the next time the devil tells you and tries to remind you of your past and remind you of your failures and to remind you of all the things that you wish you could take back and never have done in your life, here's what I want you to do. I want you to remind him of his future. Here's his future. He will be thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beasts and false prophets have been thrown and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now you see the sad and scary truth is the Bible illustrates hell as a place of eternal punishment. 
for all who die outside the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Now, I thought about how to close this message, and, and there, there are two, two groups of people here today that, that I want to appeal to. The, the first group that I want to appeal to today is those of you who have accepted the grace of Jesus. Those of you who have confessed your sins and you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and he has forgiven you and, and, and you've accepted his grace and his forgiveness and you know that you know that when you die you're going to heaven because you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You are a follower of Jesus. How many of you by raised hands will say, you know what, I die, I'm going to heaven? Just raise your hand. Okay. Now, this, this is who I want to talk to. I want to talk to you a minute. I want, to, I want to share a story with you that I heard about this week about a pastor that went to the Lowe's store and, and, and uh, the local Lowe's store. And while he was there, there was an announcement over the public address system. It, it said, attention employees and shoppers, we have a code Adam. There's a three-year-old boy with dark blonde hair wearing a, a, a blue shirt that is lost. He's disappeared. Please help us find him. That went out over the whole store, and the entire store went on alert. And he, the pastor said they were all afraid that someone had abducted him. There was a sense of urgency, and a, a sense of urgency and purpose as everyone forgot about shopping and started searching for this lost boy. The police who were called were positioned at the doors. And, and, and the pastor said for the next few minutes, everyone fanned out across the store looking for the lost boy. And after about 10 minutes, there was an announcement made, cancel Code Adam, the little boy has been found. And suddenly, the pastor said like he had never heard in a store ever in his life, he said there were loud cheers and applause that could be heard from all parts of the store. Why? Because the lost boy had been found. And man, I thought about that. I thought about that story, I thought about me, and I thought about you, and I thought about Salem Fields Community Church, and I thought to myself, what if you and I, all of us, and those watching online, what if we had that same kind of urgency and purpose to fan out into our community? Instead of just living life and going about life and coming to church and, and going to work and doing what we do, what if we, you and I, had an urgency and a purpose to fan out in our community and search for those lost boys and those lost girls and those lost men and those lost women who are headed toward eternity without Christ and they're headed to hell, a place of torment day in and day out where there's no rest. What if you and I, each of us had that same urgency? That's my prayer because, folks, I believe we've lost that urgency. And I believe we've lost that purpose. And we're focusing on all the things that are not going to make one bit of difference in eternity. While people are dying and going to hell. And I can't believe the good people of Salem Fields Community Church know of anyone in your life that you want to go to hell. 
I can't think of anyone. And so, as you know, Easter Sunday is a Christian Super Bowl Sunday. It's the day that we celebrate the greatest victory that's ever been won for us. Greater than any Super Bowl that's ever been played. We celebrate the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a great day of celebration. And, the, and, and all the people who are experts say that there are people that will come to Easter Sunday church that will never ever go to church again. Or ever go, go to church. If they're ever going to go to church, they'll come on Easter Sunday. And so, so what, I, what I do and what I'm praying about, I'm asking that, that all of us forget the petty things and all the things that are going on in our life and focus on one the next two weeks on fanning out and over this community with the same sense of urgency and purpose that they had in that store for that little boy and invite as many unreached people as we can to join us on Easter weekend because we're going to talk about heaven. And we're going to talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that means for every one of us. And we're going to celebrate the death and resurrection like no other time, like we've never celebrated before. Will you join us in doing that? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you would say, you know what, I have to put my focus, I want to put my focus and I want to have some urgency and some purpose on reaching the People who don't know Jesus. And you say, I'll do that. I'll join you guys, you and Gay and the staff in doing that. Would you just raise your hand and say, I'll do that. Easter Sunday. Thank you. That means that there are going to be some people that come to know Jesus. I don't want you to go ask somebody that goes to another church, okay? Don't ask them. Because they go to their church. I don't, I don't, I don't, we don't want people that go to other churches. We want people that don't go to church. People who are lost. And you know them and I know them. And now I want to talk to those of you who have never thought, who never thought much about eternity. And you to raise your hand. You've never thought about the consequences of your sins. You know, the, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus died for us. Jesus. Just, just kind of get out of your mind that this is buddy. And realize that this is Jesus. Himself inviting you. You know, the, I'm talking to those who, who maybe have rejected God's grace. You know, maybe you're, you, you just said, you know what, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to be a Jesus freak or a right hand, a right hand, right wing radical or whatever. You know, maybe you're fooling your wife or your husband. Are your mom and dad, and you've really never accepted Christ? Maybe you've just never known to do that, and you're here today, and you want to accept the grace of Jesus. Listen closely for a moment. Just, just listen closely for a moment. One minute, five seconds, ten seconds, one minute after you die, you will be either elated or terrified. You will be either elated or terrified. And it will be too late then to change your travel plans. And, and when you slip out of this life, your life will not be over. You're not just going to the grave. Rather, it will be just the beginning in a place of unimaginable happiness and joy and bliss. I mean, just an unimaginable place with Jesus. Or indescribable gloom and darkness and pain, separated from the love of Jesus. 
Remember, hell is not the choice of God. Jesus didn't. God didn't create hell for you and I. Hell is not... Is not the choice of God. It's the choice of a person who rejects God's grace. And, and the penalty of sin is death. And we're all sinners. But we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to rescue us. He came to rescue us from this place of torment, this place of darkness, this place of weeping, this place of gnashing of teeth. God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to rescue us from our sins and give us a boarding pass to heaven. For whosoever believes in Jesus. grace of God and if it's God's will I made my last trip to Nigeria last last week probably won't go back again but I gotta tell you this is the best one man people came to know the Lord like oh man it was just so it was so awesome to see kids moms and dads who have nothing who have nothing who live with nothing respond to the gospel you know that's really, again, I came to Salem Fields 20 years ago last week, been here 20 years. We came here to reach this community for Christ. That's all we wanted to do is reach this community for Christ. And that's all we still want to do. And I, I just believe today, you know, as we were there in Nigeria, I'll never forget this. I mean, that we were in the school area and there was about, oh man, must have been two or 300 people there. I, I don't know how many people. I'm not very good at counting. I'm a pastor, and I count the cars times six. And people don't drive cars there. But there's a lot of people there. And I'll never forget those little eyes of those kids watching that Jesus film that we showed. And at the end of the service last Friday night, I got up, and in the best feeble attempt that I had to share the gospel, to invite people to receive Christ. And, man, they did. Kids just, moms and dads just raised their hand, stood up. James, the pastor, our pastor that you support there and we support. He got up and he said, he, he said, I just want everybody today to pray this prayer together with me. And that's what I want to do today. I, I want us to, I'm going to lead us in prayer in a moment. And I want you to just pray after I pray. I want you to pray. You see, because I, I just want those who believe today, I, I just want us to, to just as a statement of faith and promise to pray this prayer with me, to just to, as a statement of faith. And then I believe those, those that are here today that are, you know, believers in Jesus Christ and you receive Christ maybe as a child or teenager or young adult or somewhere along the line, but you know that you know in your heart that you're not really there. You've backslidden from that. And you're really not in a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And so I, I want you to pray this prayer just to recommit to Jesus Christ, just to say to him in prayer, God, I'm here and I'm sorry and I'm recommitting my life to you. I backslidden. People couldn't tell a difference in my life. And then I believe there's a here today that have rejected the gospel. Maybe you've heard it over and over again. Or maybe might be here, you're listening online, and it's the first time you've ever heard the gospel. Or, or maybe, you know, maybe you've just been too busy with life to consider the consequences of your eternity. And I want you to pray this prayer as a prayer of salvation. This, pray this prayer as your rescue prayer, okay? So we stand together, and I'm going to lead us, and you just pray after me. And if, you're, if you've never received Christ, I want you to pray this prayer as a prayer of faith. And joining all of us, and even online, you could stand up right there at your computer or TV screen and pray this prayer. Let's pray together. Jesus, let's pray it again. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I invite you into my life to be my Savior. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. Father, I thank you for everyone that prayed that prayer today. Believer to non-believer. God, I pray for those today that prayed that prayer maybe for the very first time. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in a very special way during this very special moment. And I pray, God, that you would wrap your loving arms of love and assurance around them, that you heard their prayer. The Bible says, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Christ was raised from the dead, the Bible says we shall be saved won't go to hell. Maybe you've walked away from God and His grace today has drawn you back and you prayed that prayer. God bless you. Father, I just pray for that one individual too, whoever. God, that you're like the prodigal son. When the son returned home, you ran and you, and you wrapped your loving arms around him and you got out the fattened, calf, the fattened calf and God had a party. And Lord, I pray for the believers here today that committed along with us and myself, Lord, that we would fan out across this community with an urgency and purpose and we would reach people for Jesus. God, I thank you for that commitment. So, Lord, I praise you and thank you for all that's happened here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.